Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, here with the only two twins that love Wednesdays. Cause Wednesdays, bro, today. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good day. <laughs> Michael, episode, Michael, your mic was off. Say hump day one more time. Hump day. There you go. That that other people can hear it. So okay. today we have our for some reason our most popular episode two years running the rookie review episode. For some reason because um, we spit straight facts about that's rookies. true. But we we, spit, we spit, spit straight facts on every episode. But we literally nailed like every single rookie last season. Well, while people are out there drafting rookies like Ronald Jones in the fourth round, and we're telling you don't even draft him in the eighth round. There might be another rookie Jones that uh, won't go drafted uh, in fantasy drafts this year. We'll talk about that, and we'll talk about many more. We're going in the order of the draft, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. There's even a fullback drafted in the seventh round. The Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast begins. Chandler Cox of Auburn with the 19th pick in the seventh round. Fullback. Who gives a shit? Drafted if, by the Miami Dolphins. If he could be the next John Kuhn, he has some streaming potential. <laughs> Jason famously won a championship on the back of John Kuhn. But this, this is was, how we'll go. This oh, was go back in the day, though. That, that was when back we in had the day. 20 yards for a point. No, no decimals. So if you ended with 79 yards, you got three points. Yeah. Touchdowns were king. Touchdowns were absolutely king. I used to start Peyton this Barber was like every week. Fifth, ten years ago, though. I don't know what we were thinking. We I mean, that was early on in the process. That's how it was. Yeah, that's how it was. You go on. look at scores back in the day. They finished like fifty to forty-five. And yeah. then people realize the more scoring, the better. Right, and just like the I, the, I, I can't believe that I ever did not go with a decimal system. That's unbelievable to me. Yeah. But anyway, here we are. Uh, we are going to go over every fantasy relevant pick in the draft. Uh, we're going to start with everyone's favorite position, quarterback. And, of course, we can't start with quarterback without the number one pick, Kyler Murray. Um, after months of speculation um, and almost a year of speculation by yours truly, which, by the way, I don't usually t- pat myself on the back, but if you're a VM fan, I called the day that Kyler Murray signed his contract with the Oakland A's, I said that he was going to be the number one pick in the draft. And I will tell you, I was the first person on it. I... I, I I'm going to give myself You've a pat on the back on that one. for it. Yeah, I have been getting a lot of love for love it. Love so for I, it, love for it. I got pissed. I was like, another fucking Timmy take. He just says things that never come true. The, that's time, not true at all. <laughs> I say things that come true all the time. In fact, I called a lot of these draft picks this year. Drew Locke to the Broncos, I called. I called uh, a lot of people called Josh Jones to the, uh, I mean. Uh, Josh Jacobs. Josh to the Jacobs Raiders. to the Raiders. Yeah. But, the Raiders. Yeah. Anyway, a few more. But anyway. Uh, let's start with our number one overall pick, Kyler Murray. Now, Kyler Murray is known for having a crazy arm, uh, the ability to make plays. He's been compared to Russell Westbrook. He, I mean, Russell Wilson. Um, he's been compared to Russell Westbrook, kind of like the the football version of Russell Westbrook. Plays at 100% uh, percent and 100 miles an hour. Um, I think this is a big win for everyone on the um, the Cardinals, although they did draft two wide receivers, including Andy and De- Isabella, who we'll get to in the wide receiver part. But... Could be a downgrade for Christian Kirk in that sense, but in terms of who's getting him the ball, uh, upgrade for every single person, including David Johnson, who gets the biggest upgrade on the Cardinals. Jason, what do you think? Well, I was going to discuss Kyler Murray first before discussing his... um, 
I don't think that Kyler Murray is an ownable player until he proves it a few for a few weeks. Personally, but I think that he's a, he upgrades the rest of the talent in one QB leagues, obviously. In one, yeah, in yeah quarterback. Obviously. Yeah, I think the interesting part here is a lot of people. I know Brad Evans of Yahoo uh, immediately inserted Kyler Murray as like his quarterback seven. He always does, uh, that which though. I like as a fan of his. Uh, hot takes are always welcomed because he backs them up. But I'm gonna say I'm not on that bandwagon there. When you look at quarterbacks rushing, used to be key right and i'm saying used to because i think it still is it is it is still but it's a lot less rare right nine quarterbacks last season had over 300 rushing yards five quarterbacks had over 420 so if we're looking at these quarterbacks and we're looking okay are you gonna be fantasy relevant because you use your legs because a rookie passer isn't always the best type of quarterback that you want for passing purposes in fantasy then you got to think, well, there's going to be five other quarterbacks who also rush for 420 yards. That's a lot of yards. So let's say those five take up half of the top 12. Is Murray going to be good enough to knock out the other top six sole passers who are going to take up the top 12? Stuff of that sort is what you need to think about. Uh, I know it's an air raid offense. It's exciting, and they added a lot of pieces. They never addressed the O-line. Yep. We can talk about that because they never addressed it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The PFF had Arizona ranked as dead last uh, O-line ranked last year. We saw Josh Rosen running around that back there looking like a like a doll sometimes, just getting hit, knocked all over the place. And how do you not draft any offensive linemen? They got two receivers. They got the quarterback. but And they got the new Kingsbury offense coming in. This offensive whiz guy who's supposed to be able to keep a quick offense to maybe uh, counteract the offensive line woes a little bit. But I think people should slow down a bit. They have uh, Christian Kirk, the second-year guy, Larry Fitz, Larry Legend there. And then the two rookies, Isabella, Hakeem Butler. I mean, it's it's tough to trust this pack of young guys. And Larry Fitzgerald is obviously on, in his in his last days in the fantasy. I mean, in the uh, just in the NFL world, it's probably going to be his last season. And with the offensive line woes that they have, it's, it's tough for me to consider Murray as a streaming option, really, unless – they make this crazy turnaround like they did with uh, in the Rams with Sean McVay. But I don't see that happening. I think one of the ways that they improve their O-line in the offseason is getting a quarterback that can play behind the bad O-line. You saw that with Russell Wilson the last few years. He's been playing behind a bad O-line, and because he's more comfortable on the run and because uh, the pressure that gets back there doesn't necessarily touch him, uh, because he can avoid the rush, uh, it makes for... Uh, Less of it uh, makes up for it to be less of a problem. He's right? also a top five quarterback in the league, though. Right, and I th- I think that that's one way that I mean that is the next thing that needs to be addressed. They got him all the outside position players they need. Here's a question for you guys quickly, since because I was talking about legs mostly, so I'm going to stay on the topic of legs. Three guys who are sneaking into the top twelve in a few rankings out there because of their legs at the quarterback position. If you take this person in fantasy right now, Murray or Lamar Jackson? No. Interesting. Lamar. I'm going Murray. Murray or Mitchell Trubisky? Mitch Trubisky by a landslide. Trubisky by a landslide. A landslide. Murray or Josh Allen? Allen. I think I'm going Murray there, too. Allen is closer than Jackson. I think this is how you should measure Murray's success this year. Asking yourself these questions. In terms of fantasy. Because Murray was absolutely dominant last year in college football. 11.5 yards per attempt is elite, too. So he... 
he throws the ball downfield. So, so he uh, he's a very good passer. He's definitely not just a runner. I will tell you this: the only no, person, but, you know, person, rookie quarterback, you yeah, want to get right. that work out of the legs right. to be fantasy relevant. The only person that I'm considering over him is Lamar Jackson. That's really the only person. I mean, I'm saying I'm like that you're considering Murray. Murray, Murray over, over, yeah, right. right. So uh, let's go to our second quarterback off the board. One of the biggest surprise picks I heard online. I saw I read on a tweet that someone said that Daniel Jones looks like the guy that would play Eli Manning in a biopic. <laughs> he kind of does. Yeah. Um, six five two twenty one. Like what's it called? Isn't like it a, a biopic? Or have I been reading that word wrong? Biopic. It's biopic. It might be a biopic. Uh, like a bio picture. I thought it was a biopic. I have no idea. It's not a Don't biopic. ask me. I just, what, I've what always just read it. Fucking colonoscopy? What are you I talking about? I just always read it as biopic. No, there it's was a like biopic. A, a documentary <laughs> about the the Manning family. Daniel Jones would play Eli. You guys are weird. Um, so Daniel Jones, um, the 59th overall prospect according to ESPN, taking sixth biopic. in the draft. <laughs> wow. Um, so look. The tape on Jones says that he's very quick with his release, that he can get the ball out quickly, that he's very precise in the short passing game. And if you look at the personnel around him, Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, uh, that's basically what the Giants are going for, quick outs. Uh, He's probably not going to play this year, though. Uh, Do you think that— We're a draft fantasy league, bro. Fantasy podcast, I mean. Daniel Jones isn't going to play. Sure, but you have to. When you're talking about these quarterbacks, it's less about the quarterbacks and more about what they do for the people around them. And I it, look, we live in New York City, man. It, if Eli sucks, it's not. He's not going to be long for the starting lineup, and it's going to be Daniel Jones instead. Um, what do you think he, he does for the guys be out there this year? Yeah. I do. That is a good point that we should clarify, though, before we go any further for any new listeners or dynasty listeners that we are redraft. Yeah, discuss dynasty. Yeah, I mean, we'll. I guess that we'll also be talking about like, oh, I don't like this guy for redraft, but I like him in a dynasty or a, or I mean, a yeah. keeper. So like, we'll we'll. But we are but generally mainly, we're right. talking redraft. Redraft, yes, that's a good point, Jay. But uh, Daniel Jones, you know how I just said Kyler Murray had an elite eleven and a half yard per attempt. Daniel Jones sits at six point seven nine. Ugh. Uh, similar quarterback. The only quarterbacks drafted it like I forget. Again, another tweet that I forgot to keep track of. But that's the 6.79 is better or equal to Kyle Bowler, Patrick Ramsey, and Jake Locker. We all know how it turned out for those guys. And Daniel Jones is a guy that a lot of people had as a second-day project pick, not a number six overall quarterback pick. Dude, if you're going to be in college for that long and be a quarterback and never have an amazing season... Like, who are you really? Last week, I was saying a lot when we were talking about rookies. I feel like if you're a dominant football player, you dominate at every level. I agree. And a lot of people are using the Duke had a terrible uh, a terrible supporting cast argument. But, I mean, it's still a college football team playing teams that are not that good. Duke did not play yeah. how many, a crazy schedule of teams. How many teams really have a great supporting cast? In the um, in the NFL, yeah, it's college football. I mean, in it's college, college football, football. I mean, you always have Bama. Ninety percent of the guys aren't going in the NFL. More yeah. than that. Let's take a look at the guy drafted right after him. He has a great college, but the guy drafted fourth, Drew Locke. He played from Missouri, and he was on his. He was running for his life every single play. Yet he ended up having incredible numbers. So he Drew Locke yeah. threw forty touchdowns in a season. 
Daniel Jones has 50 touchdowns in his entire career. Jones' ceiling is probably Ryan Tannehill. Oof, that's a rough one. I think it's fairly reasonable to say, though. Um, all right, so let's move on to Dwayne Haskins. Uh, Dwayne Haskins will probably be the starting quarterback if I had to put my money on it for the Redskins to start the season. They have Keenum. I, I think mean, Keenum's exactly. start. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know how you start Case Keenum over Dwayne Haskins if he you picked him in the first round. But if let's say he does, let's say he does start, right? Mm-hmm. What kind of effect do you think this has on a Redskins offense that isn't making much noise when it comes to players that you're drafting in fantasy anyway? Um, what do you think? Uh, what I think is that the Redskins they have Darius Geis who hasn't played yet in the NFL, but people love him, and then they have wide receivers like Paul Richardson. So they do not have a very strong supporting cast for Haskins. Uh, Chris Thompson is a solid third down back, but he's always hurt. Um, so you can't really trust him either. Dwayne Haskins was good at the uh, intermediate to short routes with guys like Paris Campbell last season. D- don't know if they have someone like that really on Washington as of now. So, I mean, it's going to be tough for Dwayne Haskins to really have a huge impact going into the season or not going into the season, during the season, if they don't get him some help around him. So it's it's tough. They did get, actually, uh, they drafted, we're going to talk about him later, Terry McLaurin, who is from uh, Ohio State as well. So that is going to be a fun connection. Who could That is someone I think could have a big impact for Haskins. But, again, McLaurin is a third-round pick. So it's not like he's, I don't see him having this crazy immediate impact that just bolsters Dwayne Haskins up. Jason, what do you think? I, I like what Michael said there. Uh, you can think of it similarly. Josh Rosen and Christian Kirk had an obvious connection last year, even though, because they were both rookies, even though they were in a very pretty bad offense. Uh, when it comes to rookie quarterbacks, I want a decent supporting cast around them. Murray, for example, we talked about how, you know, it's young people, but we still have fits there. We have uh, receivers who are drafted a little higher. David Johnson, it's obviously a better supporting cast in Washington. Not a lot of help there. Uh, I think that Thor Nystrom of Roto World had a good comparison for Dwayne Haskins. Basically better Jameis Winston. Very physical stature. Uh, same physical stature, kind of kind of look alike a little bit if you look at their faces. Uh, but which basically to me translates to less, less turnover prone Jameis Winston. Uh, so that would be a good thing, but I just don't think that this season Dwayne Haskins is going to be fantasy relevant. Yeah, no way. I'm not taking a chance on any of these rookie quarterbacks before week three. Let uh, me uh, give you guys a little bold prediction here. I think that uh, Will Greer is going to have some streaming potential at some point this season. Okay, well, before we get to real Gre- Will Greer, let's get to the next guy who I think is going to be... I think guy. out of all these players, besides Kyler Murray, let's take Kyler Murray out of his number one overall pick. Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins, Will Greer, Ryan Finley, guys like this. I think Drew Locke has the best chance to not only succeed, but make a major impact. If you look at the contract of Joe Flacco, he makes $18.5 million this year, and he gets $20 million next year, except if they cut him, then that's dead cap money that does that counts for zero. So Drew Locke is 6'4", 228, strong arm. Reminds me like Jay Cutler, but less douchey. Um, I think he's the perfect fit in that offense. I uh, mean, he's a John Elway quarterback. Right. He's the prototypical type guy. Uh, 
play behind a shitty offensive line in Missouri, so he'll have experience doing that behind a shitty offensive line in Denver. Uh, I think that he'll be the most fantasy-relevant quarterback outside of uh, Kyler Murray in terms of the rookies this year. I think you're crazy. Yeah, I don't agree with that at all. I think um, he, he's not going to see the field. Joe Flacco Wallen. has played 16 games in nine of his 11 seasons. For the Ravens. Yeah, and with that, uh, draft capital matters for quarterbacks. The Broncos didn't take him 10th overall like some were expecting. They waited, ended up falling to him in the second round, and then they uh, decided they to take a up, chance though. on him. They traded uh, up to get him. All right, so did they? it makes a difference. Yes, they traded Even if they did, they still had picks before him that they could have grabbed him. That's true. Yeah. If you really believe the in this guy and want him to be your quarterback today, you in do. The first round as is, dumb yeah. as the pick was for Daniel Jones, if Gettleman really thought that was his guy, then it was a good pick. Because when it comes to quarterback, you don't fuck around. Um, and I don't really. I don't think he was fucking around. I think that after after the Redskins, you, there's no team that needs a quarterback that's going to take a quarterback in the first round. They played their cards right. I think that's a reach. Yeah, I think it's a reach as well. You'll see. Team You'll all see. Mwahaha. Jason. Tell people why you think Will Greer might actually have a fantasy-relevant time. Because I think Will Greer... People are saying Josh Rosen is the most pro-ready. I think Will Greer might be the most pro-ready. And he's never going to be an amazing pro. But I feel like best-case scenario would be like a Chad Pennington. Worst case... Not worst case. More likely, it's going to be like a Case Keenum. I think he's a very accurate passer. Uh, I don't think he's ever going to light the world on fire. But he can be a competent... Uh, placeholder for a team so i think that if cam newton uh has some shoulder issues this year or ends up leaving uh some games because of injury i would will Grier can come in and start connecting with christian mccaffrey on shorter passes uh hitting dj Moore down the field i think that at some point this season i wouldn't be surprised if greer is a streaming candidate interesting very interesting i'm not a huge will greer guy um, let's move over now to quarterback. I mean, running backs, unless you guys want to talk about anyone. Let I'll me hop what. in with one quarterback. Uh, can I, I want to say one quarterback too. Jared Stidham, Auburn quarterback Jeez, that is now a Patriot in three years. Just tell me, tell me what, tell me, just remember this. Years. That's all I got to say. Not this every year. Every year they do this. No, they don't. They do this every they year. They draft someone every year. No, they don't. The last Jimmy G, Ryan Mallett. Uh, last year, they took a quarterback in the sixth round. They took round. someone last A sixth-round quarterback, first of all, doesn't count. Second of all, Jimmy G. Tom Brady's is, a sixth-round quarterback. <laughs> well, Jimmy. You can't say a sixth-round quarterback doesn't count. Yes, when, I can. When the sixth-round quarterback all right. is leading the team. A sixth-round quarterback doesn't round, count unless it's the best quarterback of all time no, by no. accident. No, on the Patriots. You're talking about the Patriots. So you're telling so you're, t- you're telling me I'm crazy that a fourth round quarterback might do good, but a sixth round quarterback, no, 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 it's fine. And you said that Ryan Mallett, Jimmy G, Jimmy G was the heir apparent until Tom Brady fucked up everything, and Ryan Mallett was also the heir apparent say, until he fucked up. everything. I didn't say Jimmy G was bad. I'm so just saying they Ryan Mallett fucked up everything. And yeah, Ryan, never Ryan good. No, trash. that's not true. The Heat, yeah, they took Ryan Danny Etling last season. Yeah, he was trash. Danny Etling, season. another guy people thought was going to be good under the Patriots. They already gave up on him. I, I did not hear literally one person talking about Danny Edling ever. Go back to last year. I No. And don't please don't defend Ryan Mallett. He's awful. Right. He was awful because he didn't want to work. Here's what I want. He had to all say. the physical tools that the Patriots were looking for. Undrafted free agent quarterback Tyree Jackson signs with the Bills. Crazy that he went undrafted. Is it yeah. not even like a little concerning for Josh Allen that this guy was an undrafted rookie quarterback from Buffalo? And he's basically being... Uh, coined the Josh Allen duplicate. Like, they basically went out and got another Josh Allen yeah, to back up Josh it, Allen. 
worrisome at all. Yeah, if Josh Allen gets hurt, they have Tyree Jackson. No, maybe but I'm saying like comparison-wise. Like people, oh, this guy is uh, Josh Allen. <laughs> but he's undrafted. The undrafted rookie quarterback is Josh Allen. <laughs> well, he's a Josh Allen type player. Right, right, right. They just saying that because he's super tall with a big arm. Just to find a way to make fun of Josh Allen. He's I, I can't believe he didn't go drafted. He had, he had a really he just can't make throws. He had a really bad pro day. But like but. he could be like a a Taysom Hill type guy. I not only that I think that if with some coaching because I was watching him on uh, on ESPN Plus. What's that? What's that show? Uh, Draft Academy. He had never had a a so he he's never had an actual quarterback coach. Like he's never had someone teach him the fundies and teach him like That's this crazy. is how you throw, this is how you step, this is how you stride. The first person who ever did it was Jordan Palmer and he said, "Yo, this kid is raw, but here here's how we sold him to teams." He said, "If look at this kid now, look how much he's progressed with me for 6 weeks. Imagine how much he'll progress with you in 3 years." And he progressed a lot in 6 weeks, so Tyree Jackson is a name just keep in the back of your mind. Uh, let's move over to the running back position, the most important position for fantasy. And some fantasy viable players were taken. Why I, is running back more important I will than say this. Don't be I mean. don't think that there's any first-round running backs in this uh, Thank you. In this draft now that everything has played out. But well, what, what? there will be... What Shut your fucking face what for one second. What could have led to what? a first-round running back? If the Raiders would have went and picked Josh Jacobs fourth overall. No, if the Buccaneers... Or if the Buccaneers did something. Yeah. No. Suck it. No. Um, so, <laughs> God, I knew, I, just shut shut your face. Um, Josh Jacobs uh, goes uh, 24th overall, the only first-round running back, as predicted by most of the draft people. Um, 5'10", 220, prototypical running back size, can do everything. Doesn't have a lot of tread on his tires. Was a part of a three-headed monster uh, in Alabama. So, also, Isaiah Crowell. Tears his uh, Achilles tendon earlier today. Um, sucks for Isaiah Crowell because this is probably the end of his career. If you if you're he's 26 now, he's gonna be 27 when he comes back from. He'll the, be back. I don't know. He's, he's already kind of a free, fringe player, and yeah, we'll it'll see. Be, it'll be tough. I think that it's this is the end of his productive career. If that makes any sense, yeah. maybe he'll be back as a backup or a change of pace. But he had some solid years. He'll be like a Mike Davis, I guess. Uh, speaking of Mike Davis, sorry, Mike, you're another loser in this one. Um, so let's go. Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs. In the Raiders offense, who the Raiders added two big-time wide receivers, they now add the running back. They look like they're going for it. What do we think about Josh Jacobs? They also added Doug Martin earlier today. When it comes to Josh right. Jacobs, I'm not going to own him on any of my teams. That's crazy. He is going to be drafted way too early for my taste. That's true. His ADP is going to be like... Uh, I don't understand it. First of all, the offensive line coach for the Oakland Raiders, the worst offensive line coach in football, Tom Cable. Yep. Uh, Dude, Tom Cable, he was uh, the Seahawks uh, offensive line coach. They were last in the league. They He left, and then last season, the Seahawks offensive line was like top 10. I was... Uh I was listening to our rookie review last year, and Michael said almost that exact same sentence about Tom Cable. There you go. He's so bad. He's really bad. Like it, yeah. everywhere he goes, the offensive line gets worse. And everywhere he, he goes, it is, he once built good offensive lines. Um, back in nineteen twenty-seven, right, when offensive the lines changed. did different things. Yeah, who just run the ball, ground and pound twenty-four-seven. He famously kind of fucked up Robert Gallery's career, and then Robert Gallery switched from tackle to. To guard after Tom Cable left. So, um, look, 
I like Josh Jacobs. I do think his ADP is going to be a little bit too high. But if he falls to the fifth round, I'd, I'd have no problem having him as my running back three for the season. No, it's not happening. Um, he's going to be drafted. Well, that's assuming you took. He's going to be drafted in the third round by. I I I if I don't have two running backs on my team it, by round five, I'm going to shoot myself in the back of the head. I won't feel comfortable that, with Josh that's, Jacobs. That's a little notes. My first running back definitely now probably not even my second. Look, we mentioned his. Wear and tear not really being there, right? But also, if you look at the flip side, he's never touched the ball more than 160 times in a season. So can he handle that? And then when you're talking about someone who has worked part-time his entire college life, the Raiders go and lose Isaiah Crowell and immediately go sign their leading rusher from 2018. Can I I just say, like, you guys give me all this this shit about calling him Crowell, and you say it's Crowell, and Jason just called him Crowell. Make up your minds. Go ahead. Continue. <laughs> Immediately, they signed Doug Martin, like in a panic move. Is that something you do if you really trusted in your rookie running back to be a workhorse? Yeesh. No. I mean, Don't say yes. Yo, yo, dude. They picked up a backup, almost 30 years old running back who's done because they needed insurance for Crowell. I mean, outside also, of... Also, though, outside we're of talking her, about a guy who played on the best college team his entire life decade. and was a part-time player on that team. You're talking about a guy with fresh legs facing lesser competition his entire career. And you're surprised that he averaged six yards per carry? The minimum probably would be four. You know Baker Mayfield had the best offensive line in history in front of him, right? They won the best offensive line of the year award this year. It's good for him. I mean, it. You, you can't Murray? the same way. No, Baker Mayfield. That it was the same offensive line. But you, you can't say. You can't hold like he he did what he did on the team that he I'm not did it on. You know what I mean, just that. And look in the national championship game against Clemson. That's when he had his best game. Everyone talks about his yards per carry. It's the only reason why I brought that up. It's not that outlandish. If you really think about the situations, he couldn't beat out Damian Harris, a third-round running back, for more playing time. I mean, all right, fine, but Sony Michelle, in the same breath, was a backup in Georgia his whole career, and he got drafted in the first round last year by the Patriots. So it's it, just because you don't start in in college aware. does not necessarily mean that you're the worst player. It just means you're not. In the I'm same just scheme. throwing out some caution here. And Josh Jacobs, you got to remember, was also he was unrecruited. He was kind of like a a. A superstar in a no name, where high school players like don't really get recruited, and it was one guy who got, who like showed his tape to Nick Saban, and Nick Saban a month later was like, I want this guy. So he was he came out of nowhere. He was never originally part of the plans. So the fact that he can go from not being part of the original plans and and not being part of the original recruiting class, and still take over carries over two other backs in Alabama who were part of that recruiting class, who were Nick Saban guys, that says a lot about him. That's the exact thing you didn't like about Baker Mayfield last season. That he played in... Oh, he's a walk-on. Yeah. I'm, Let me just no, say real no, quick, no, 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 also, no, no, stop, stop. But I said that I believe Baker Mayfield could be good. I said that I want him to be good. I just didn't want him on the Jets because I didn't want to take the chance on a, on a non-prototypical quarterback. That's all I said. I didn't say that I thought Breakers would be bad. Before I let Michael talk about Josh Jacobs, I also just want to say that Derek Carr is trash. Yeah, I agree. So that also trash. doesn't help. I think that Derek Carr will be better. Derek Carr better is trash. Weapons. Look, Marshawn Lynch. You, ha- you have to understand, though, he was throwing to Amari Cooper for half the season, Seth Reynolds 
had the most. Cooper went to Dallas. Seth Roberts, excuse me. I mean, he did okay sometimes. Derek Carr's trash. Much, much better O-line there. What do you think about Josh Jacobs? So let's say Marshawn Lynch, uh, before he got hurt last season in six games that he started, averaged 15 rushes, 62 yards, and a half a touchdown per game. I wouldn't be surprised if Josh Jacobs puts up similar numbers when he's uh, back there for Oakland. And you got to remember that draft capital matters a whole bunch usually when it's first-round running backs besides Rashad Penny last season. And and uh, Josh Jacobs also uh, is a solid receiver too so it's not like he's someone who has to step off the field on third downs and you were talking about his lack of rushes 41 percent of his rushes resulted in a first down or a touchdown which is just absolutely <laughs> absurd to think that four out of every 10 rushes was a very productive run he's also top five in the pff elusive rating last season in the nation so it's not like this guy doesn't have the tools there's a reason he was drafted very high i just don't love the landing spot i love the landing spot for opportunity just not for uh, production because the Tom Cable and the Raiders overall just aren't a team that I'm super interested in. I think he'll get production, man. I think you guys are sleeping on him a bit, but his ADP probably will be out the roof. Uh, let's go to a guy whose ADP probably will be low, but should be higher. The second running back taken, Miles Sanders out of Penn State. He formerly the backup to Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley actually had nothing but good things to say about him. Here's the thing. They trade up to get him. They trade up with Baltimore, who eventually uh, will take a running back later in the draft. And yes, uh, just yes, Justice Hill. And they got Jordan Howard. So you assume that Jordan Howard would be the workhorse there. But Jordan Howard is one year left in his deal and he can't catch the ball. Uh, by all accounts, Miles Sanders has that ability. Um, he also has good size, good speed, uh, powerful lower body, which means he can break tackles if at the point of contact. Um, what do you think about this? Does Miles Sanders become the guy in Philly? Because remember, you also have Josh Adams. You also have Corey Clement. You also have Wendell Smallwood on the roster, which one or maybe even two of them won't be on the roster when opening day hits. Yeah, when it comes to Miles Sanders, the Eagles, Philadelphia is basically a haven where running backs go to die fantasy wise over the past three or four years so jj was fantasy fantasy relevant until he got hurt last year he was but he also he did on limited touches he wasn't getting 20 rushes a game so i think people are jumping uh, a little bit too too much for miles sanders here i i don't love the landing spot as much as others do like you said they just signed jordan howard who has shown that he's a very good early down back Yes, the league is moving towards a new receiving type of running back, but Jordan Howard still gets a job done when he's giving the ball on early downs. Uh, Corey Clement always seems to find his way onto the field uh, on passing downs. Josh Adams was okay last year. Like you said, Wendell Smallwood always seems to get work. So now Miles Sanders is going in there. He's he's a solid running back, but he's not he's not like a Saquon Barkley who he replaced. He's not a Ezekiel Elliott. He's, he was, he's not even a Josh Jacobs. Why Josh Jacobs went above him uh he ran he did run for 1200 yards last season for penn state which is which is nice 5.8 yards per carry he's spectacular in yards after contact he was uh one of the top running backs in the nation and getting yards after contact routinely breaking through first tackles he had solid uh combine he did fumble five times last season which some find worrisome but uh fumbles are largely random don't really correlate to future fumble problems so I'm just it's the landing spot for me I don't I'm not sure where Miles Sanders is gonna go for me I can see people taking him in the fifth round I can see people taking him in like the ninth round so for Miles Sanders I'm 
again, he's another guy I probably won't own much of. But if he falls to like the eighth or ninth round, maybe he's worth a a chance there. But I'm probably not going to touch him because I don't want to touch him anywhere earlier than that. Sanders, he's a very good real life addition. Uh, the Eagles were missing that dynamic runner with the pizzazz to break out a 70-yard touchdown run. Sanders definitely has that in him. Uh, Corey Clement is not that person either. Smallwood, Jordan Howard uh, is a little more ploppy than that. If that's the word I'm looking for. He's definitely a plopper. So I think that Sanders is a very good addition. I'm not sure how that's going to play out in a fantasy landscape. Even if he is, I feel like this might be a case where he's going to end as running back 22. But it's going to be because of four very good weeks. And a lot of mediocre weeks after that. Uh, it's going to be very hard to predict. Um. Next, Daryl Henderson. Um, look, the... You could spin this all you want, but the Rams traded up in the third round, which is only their second pick of the draft, uh, to get a running back. And this running back is a guy who could catch. Um, Daryl Henderson averaged 8.9 yards per carry in 2017, and then 8.9 yards a carry again in 2018. This guy can run. He could catch. Um Obviously, you're not going to draft this guy to be a workhorse, so let's talk about his effect. What effect does this have on Todd Gurley? Because you saw Todd Gurley break down late in the year after being used a ridiculous amount of times. Over the past two seasons, Todd Gurley has touched the ball 658 times. Do you think this is more insurance if Gurley gets hurt, or do you think McVay is going to split the carries in order to keep Gurley healthy for longer? I think that, first of all, bold prediction, Daryl Henderson is going to be the High scoring running back for rookie Whoa, this season. Shit. That is a sound like Timmy out here. That's a hot. <laughs> that's a steamy take. But to answer I'm your question, sweating here now. I tweeted I about this. Guy, I think that this is a very it's gonna play out very similarly to Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler. Where they're both gonna get work, but the team gives them so much work that it doesn't really matter to the other guy. Interesting. Okay. So Todd Gurley is going to still see enough work to maybe not be the top three back we're used to him being, but a top eight. Like Melvin Gordon. Like Melvin Gordon. And then Henderson's still going to see enough work like Eckler to be a flex play. He has explosiveness. He can catch the ball. And if Gurley gets injured, then Henderson, we're all going to rush the waiver wire and spend all of our fab on him. Yes. He, yeah. he led the nation in 20-plus yard runs last season and had no dropped passes. A team in win-now mode does not spend a third-round pick on a backup running back that they don't plan on using. I agree. Yeah, he like you said about the 20-yard rushes, he had 27 of them, 20 or more yards, which is a ton. The next closest running back was at 17, so it wasn't even particularly close. He was top 10 in the nation in missed tackles, forced per attempt. He he was uh, number two in the PFF elusive rating. So, I mean, this guy, he, he was basically the whole Memphis offense. And... uh you don't like you guys said. You don't trade up to draft a running back if you don't plan on using him a bit. Jason's theory. They is did. They did me. also sign Malcolm Eckler. They matched the restricted offer for Malcolm Brown. Malcolm Brown. Yeah, Malcolm Brown is yeah, trash. Yeah, that was before. But, Who cares? They, yeah, I think that it's 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 you know you could hear the coaches speak and you could listen to the coach talk and McVeigh has said, you know, it's going to be girly. It's going to be girly. It's going to be girly. Of course. But then you could that. follow the money, and they traded up. To get uh 
to get Henderson, and that's draft capital. And then they they matched an offer sheet from Detroit. That's actual capital. To have Malcolm Brown be one of the highest paid backups in the league. Maybe Todd Gurley's knee is not as good as as they want us to think it is. And then they started talking about how Henderson could be a great fit like they thought Dunbar would be last year. That is like, all right. Like, now I know you're just bullshitting because he's not Lance Dunbar. Like, you can try to say that all you want, but no one believes you. The Rams had Lance Dunbar yeah, last he year. he got hurt <laughs> in the preseason or some shit. Man, I remember Lance Dunbar. He had some exciting moments. <laughs> With the Cowboys, right? Yeah. Um... My favorite pick, and who I think is going to have the most Can't points for this one. of any uh, team, the Twins, Lava Lavas, um, Mr. David Montgomery. I like Daryl Henderson. Uh, 5'10", 222 pounds out of Iowa State. He's a big guy that could do everything well. He can, uh, Good in pass blocking, good at catching, uh, good in between the tackles. Uh, the Bears are looking for a workhorse like this guy. Um for Mike Davis, whatever fantasy relevance he had, I think that's out the window. For Tariq Cohen, if you thought he was going to be the every down back, then you were on some crack, some every down crack. Um, <laughs> it'll still be it'll still be Cohen uh, from the out from that backfield for the passes, and then it'll be Montgomery in between the tackles. I think that he has a real chance to succeed in this offense, who loves to run the ball. Uh, David Montgomery to the Chicago Bears is my favorite landing spot. Quick trivia for you guys. I know you've been looking at a lot of numbers over the offseason. Won't blame me if you got these wrong. Yeah. How many touchdowns did Jordan Howard have last year? Combined, catching and rushing. Six. Eleven. How many yards did he have combined? Um, 800? Like 920. What? So in his down year last year, down year with quotes, Jordan Howard had 1,100 yards and nine touchdowns. Yeah. In his down year, in a very like inefficient year. So yeah, David Montgomery is a guy I want. That's the role he wants. Yeah, hundred percent. That's the, this is the guy I'm because picking. he you, he's also a very good pass catcher. You could argue better than Jordan Howard in dynasty leagues. And I know, and you know, again, we're the redraft. But if I'm in a dynasty league, he's my one point two. Also, you guys know all I'm about. You Kyler. guys know all I'm about. Behind who? Kyler. I think having that, having a quarterback in a dynasty league that dominates is a lot more valuable than a redraft. You're taking Montgomery over Josh Jacobs and Nikhil Harry. I am. I'm taking over Nikhil Harry. Yo, by the way, real quick side thing, dynasty leagues people are really discounting the fact that Tom Brady's like very old when it comes to Nikhil Harry. Backtrack to David Montgomery. We'll get to Nikhil Harry and you can talk about it. Uh. You know I'm all about coaches getting their guy. And Matt Nagy got rid of Jordan Howard because he wasn't his guy. He came in and just didn't really know how to utilize him to his best potential. They tried to make him a pass catcher, just didn't never. Matt Nagy out. just got his guy. Yeah. Yeah. David um, Montgomery had rookie of the year, maybe? If, Kyle, if one of these quarterbacks. I, the I was, I was telling Jason like a couple weeks ago that if I owned Terry Cohen in a dynasty league, I'd be looking to sell him because his stock was at the highest it's ever been, and he's he's not a guy who's going to get 20 touches a game, and now this obviously just makes it seem like Cohen's going to be in the same role that he's been the last two years with Jordan Howard. Third round was a hole for running backs. Five running backs taken in the round. The third running back taken in the round, Devin Singletary. You know I love that last name. You know I love the bloodlines. Um, 
undersized guy, only 5'8", 203. Uh, didn't run very fast in the combine, but, you know, when he's on tape, you could see that he is um, he's fast. Uh, not really a target catcher. Uh, only caught six passes in 2018. But LaShawn McCoy is 31. Frank Gore is 36. And Singletary uh, has the ability to break tackles. He's very short. Like, this is not something that you see a lot, a little guy, but his, his low-to-the-groundness uh, makes him a tackle breaker. Do you think he has a chance to break through in Buffalo and be the uh, be the guy there, Michael? You know, uh, Devin Singletary was uh, more under the radar than some of the other guys because he went to Florida Atlantic. It's not really a, a a team that people watch usually in college football. But he was number two overall in the country in missed tackles forced per attempt. He had over 4,000 yards in his college career. So he was a huge part of that Florida Atlantic offense. You... You said he's not a very good pass catcher. He's an absolutely atrocious pass catcher. He has basically no receiving skills. He uh, he dropped 40% of the passes thrown his way. So he's not someone who's going to be playing third downs. He's clearly a early down guy. So I'm not – I don't think he has any fancy relevance this season. But I do – I think Yeldon is going to be more of a third down back, and then he'll mix in with Shady and Gore. Those three are kind of be like a earth, wind, and fire early down backs for the uh, – for the Bills. I'm going to disagree with you. Um, I think that LaShawn McCoy is a cut candidate at the moment. It looks like it. Wouldn't be surprised if the Bills got rid of him. They say that they're not going to cut him, but... And they're not going to make Frank Gore their premier back. If, unless I mean, Adam if they, Gase is calling the shots over there. If they there. cut Shady, then Singletary becomes a lot more interesting because he's a, he's a decent running player. Yo, he, he was second in the NCAA in broken tackles last season. Only to David Montgomery, who we just talked about. Oh, yeah. And 76% of his yards came after contact. I like that Tim mentioned his um, not great testing numbers because it's true. He wasn't a great tester. He doesn't have those numbers. But what he does have is just a knack for breaking tackles and a knack for being slippery and elusive. There's some people who you just can't quantify that for. Let's talk about CJ Anderson, right? Little fat bowling ball, but he had over 1,000 yards for Denver. He was and a great year, running back. Last year, he replaced Todd Gurley. underrated running back. You look at him, why are you this good? Who knows? And yeah, he's never really been that fat until last year. It like, just, he was just fat when he was on the it's couch It's just something that weeks. they have. True. Someone that I saw him compared to also was Dalvin Cook, where Dalvin Cook didn't test through the roof, but he just has a knack for uh, being elusive. So That's one of the that, reasons why Dalvin Cook dropped out of the first round. Yeah. But some people just know how to be slippery. So I think that... Singletary uh, in a decent spot here. One guy that's not slippery, no way to to get this guy as slippery, is Damian Harris, uh, drafted by the Patriots in the third round. Um, kind of the Patriots guy. He's a good pass ca- He's a good pass block- blocker. He's a one-cut downhill runner. Yeah, he has vision, not um, necessarily much else. Yeah, like he is a smart player who will do the Patriots thing. I think that this is more of an insurance pick personally. I don't think he's going to have much value this year. I think that last year when uh, Sony Michelle went down, you saw that they had to drastically change their offense. I don't think that uh, Bill wants to do that. Uh, I think that he would like to uh, keep the same offense. And I think that Damian Harris is a guy who can come in after Sony Michelle if, if Sony Michelle gets hurt and give you kind of the same Sony Michelle type production. Uh, if Sony Michelle gets hurt, he's going to be the guy that's number one in the waiver pickups. Michael, what do you think about Damian Harris? 
Uh, he's not someone I'm overexcited about. He he ran a four five seven forty, which leaves a lot to be desired desired for I mean, yeah. a running back. I mean, four five seven is four five seven. Running back it's just slightly above average. Like if you, if you're you're taking a four five for running back is below a good, average. I mean, it, I mean slightly yeah below average. Like it's not that bad. That's that's pretty bad for running back. But yeah, he he's also a bad a bad pass blocker. So it's not like he's gonna be seeing a field on passing down, especially if James. Where did you hear already. that? Uh, he's he's a bad pass. I blocker. heard he's a good pass blocker. I heard that uh, that's one of the things that Nick Saban loves about him. But you know, this is a, what it is with the draft conflicting reports. That's true. But yeah, he's just he didn't blow uh, anybody anybody out of the water in Alabama. Really, he was decent, but he wasn't really like a his game changing back. Uh, his counterparts, Josh Jacobs, I like a lot more than he was the game breaker Harris. He's just not someone I'm interested in really this year. Not someone I'm really targeting in dynasty leagues either. Harris is just someone that I did not get excited about when seeing him play. I feel like he's New England's trying to find that mold. They brought in Jeremy Hill last year after they got rid of Garrett Blunt. The like decent sized running back, one cut, has some power. So they're trying to bring Harris in for insurance there, I think. I don't see him being very relevant outside of injuries. Yeah, PFF had him uh ranked as a below average blocker last season. One of the guys that I am taking a chance on, Alexander Madison af- out of Boise Alexander State. Madison. I was going to say, like, he sounds like yeah. – I'm intrigued because he's basically Latavius Murray. He's like a big guy who's a bruiser, who runs tall and upright. He is kind of like more like a – more like a – he's not going to catch passes for you, and he's not going to be an every down back, but he's going to play a Latavius Murray role and. You know, if Dalvin Cook gets hurt, not even that much. I think he could. I Police. think that's why they drafted him. I think he's a pure handcuff. I think this is a waste of time. This conversation. I don't. I mean, Dalvin Cook is one of the more injured backs, and they don't have anyone behind him besides Madison. So I'm going. Madison is a very valuable handcuff, and he could have a lot of goal line value this year. Like he was, he was one of the more like he plays at Boise State, so he doesn't get that national recognition. Recognition. He was a fucking animal. There's no way he's. Relevant at all without an injury. Agreed. Um, let's go to the next guy, Bryce Love. This guy definitely not going to be relevant. He is uh, coming out from a torn ACL in the in the final season finale. A, a little bit uh, interesting because he's kind of like a pass um, catching back, and Chris Thompson is getting old. So you wonder if this is just a play for next year. So Bryce Love will skip Bryce that. Bryce Love is a tremendous pass. Well, Bryce Love. He was a Heisman runner-up in 2017. I, everyone liked him, but then he tore his ACL, so that's why his draft stock drops. Well, he also dealt with a bunch goes. of injuries and then tore his ACL. It was a bad right. year last season for Bryce Love. So, I mean, good luck to Bryce Love. Next uh, was Justice Hill of Oklahoma State, went to the Ravens. Benny Snell of Kentucky went to the Steelers. Tony Pollard of Memphis uh, went to the Cowboys. And then fifth round and on, there's more guys there. Um, anyone from the fourth round and lower that you'd like to talk about? All right. Uh, I'll start with a few guys. I'll start with one person right now. Benny Snell. Uh, player Profiler is a site that compares players. Not the biggest fan of the person behind that site. But this comparison is gold. Jason, why are you dropping subs? It's a little sub. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, dog. Uh... Benny Snell's picture on that site is Gary the Snail from SpongeBob uh, because he's just not – he's very slow. 
His spark is bad. Benny Snell was the definition of a college running back who's not really going to amount to much in the NFL. Uh, and if he proves me wrong, I'm all for it. His 40 time was a 4.66. That's slow. He's under the 50th percentile in every other metric. Honestly, the best thing about Benny Snell is the fact that there's some people out there who think that this hurts James Conner. So if I'm able to get James Conner even one pick earlier because Benny Snell was drafted, later, I'm going to say hallelujah. That's hallelujah. where I'm at with Benny Snell. Hallelujah. Jason. Throwing shade at everyone. Michael, what about you? James Conner. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Uh, Damn, Jason. That's, uh, it, was, yeah. it was funny, but it wasn't that funny. Right. Uh, Hopefully what do you, others laugh. Anyone, <laughs> anyone say that to you? Uh, Tony Pollard is interesting uh, with the Cowboys. They, they they haven't really had a great replacement for Zeke when Zeke has been hurt or has missed time. Uh, Tony Pollard has is a polished pass blocker, which makes him a uh, which makes him a decent candidate to get on the field for it. Every time a running back is a good pass blocker, uh, it gives him a better chance, a better opportunity of getting on the field. So I like that there. So he's obviously not going to be relevant if Zeke is uh, playing, but he's someone to keep in mind if Zeke is uh, is hurt. And I'll make it three for three with fourth round running backs, Justice Hill. Um, being drafted by the by the Ravens is something that's intriguing to me because the Ravens, um, right now they have Alex Collins, who's a bruising downhill runner. They have Mark Ingram, who's a veteran. You know, he's not going to burn anyone with his speed. One of the older backs in the league at this point. Right, he's 29. Um, Justice Hill, he's a fast guy. He's a burst. He's a big play guy. Um, he's known for that. Uh, look, he didn't catch a lot of passes in college, but he has the skill set to be a pass catcher. So it's going to be interesting to see if Justice Hill plays that a kind of role of um up like Buck Allen has always been in their in their doghouse, but and Kenneth Dixon, you don't know what's going on with him either, but if he comes in, he replaces that Buck Allen Kenneth Dixon role, um I think he could have a little bit of value. Not not too much, but you know, don't let's not get a little crazy here. Um Jason, is there anyone in the 5th round you're looking at? Rykel Armstrong Armstead. Uh, Armstead. Ended up in Jacksonville. Listen, he's 5'11", 220. He had 34 touchdowns in 46 games. He's basically a tough-running bruiser with some speed, not much receiving skills. If you see where I'm getting at, he's Leonard Fournette. (laughs) And Leonard Fournette's kind of falling out of favor in Jacksonville. So I think Rykel Armstead is a name definitely to keep an eye on. A last-round pick in... uh... In best ball drafts. Yeah, 100%. Also, I'm going to just jump right to another team that, uh, a little under the radar, Cincinnati drafted two backs, Travion Williams and Rodney Anderson. Travion Williams led the SEC in rushing last year. He's 5'8", 206, good pass catcher. He kind of seems like an obvious replacement to Gio Bernard. He's a free agent after the year. But he also proved last year that he was a very good running back as well. And if you look at Rodney Anderson, he's someone with first-round tools who just gets injured every year. But, bro, Joe Mixon is so That's good, what I'm bro. saying. I'm looking at this. So they grab someone who led the SEC in rushing and someone who has first-round tools but has gotten injured. I think they're trying to – they're recognizing real quick that Joe Mixon might not be as good as people think. I – look, we can hate on Joe Mixon. I feel like we hate on Joe Mixon every episode, but – the dude has underperformed, and there's a new regime in town. 
So I don't. I think I don't think you're that off, Michael. Is anyone else in the running backs that you would like to uh, shout out? I'm good with the RBs. I don't. See I'm gonna rant real having... quick. Oh, uh oh. Chasing out another running back. About I a running back rants. that's in the league, Damian Williams. Dun, dun, dun. Hold on, hold on. What hold a on, tremendous on, draft on, day for Damian Williams. I will say, big winner, Damian Williams. Some people don't see it that way. Jason, yeah. you're on it. You'll continue to be on it. You're on it, bro. I'm, so I'm going to keep ranting because I'm going to keep being keep on ranting. it. Keep <laughs> the Chiefs take Darwin Thompson in the sixth round and then go get Booby Williams undrafted. And people want to talk about these guys like they're the next guy up in Kansas City. Like a sixth round pick or a UDFA means anything in the NFL. Like they're going to be handed anything. It's just logic at this point to grab Damian Williams. You look at his competition. You have Damian Williams, who they just gave money to. Might not be that much money, but it's a decent amount. It wasn't Mike Davis money. Carlos Hyde, who literally in his career has been the worst pass catching back in the NFL, if you look at the numbers. Yeah. So he's not going to be their back every down. A sixth round pick and a UDFA. And you're telling me you're not going to take this guy. The Chiefs running back with that competition around them in the fourth round. Especially because Tyreek Hill being a fucking cocksucker really, really Exactly. It's going to put more like, on the plate I of saw, other people. I right. saw people tweeting about that UDFA signing. Uh, Booby Williams. No, the sixth round. He was sixth round pick. Darwin right? Thompson. Or one of them. One of them. It doesn't matter which one. <laughs> but one of them, people are like, oh, keep an eye on this. And someone like, quote, tweet Damien Williams truthers with like a... The pointing down emoji. I'm like, holy moly, you guys. Dude, they didn't go out and draft Daryl Henderson. Bro. Join my league. They just, they didn't even bother with the position, really. I'm going to start just tweeting at people, join my league. I did that for the first time like, <laughs> last week. Because so they had, there was a, a poll. They had Joe Mixon over Le'Veon Bell and James Conner or something aye, like that. Aye. And I was like, yo, please join my league. Yeah, for real. Please. Let us take your money. Um. Fun fact about Booby, Booby, what's his last name? Williams. Booby Williams. The reason why his nickname is Booby is because his real first name is Miles. His, his real name is first Booby name Miles. Is Miles. Miles. <laughs> Booby Miles. Booby Miles from, <laughs> from Friday Night Lights. Jason's not ready. Uh, <laughs> so that's why his name is Booby. Um, yeah, Miles Gaskin. <laughs> let's, let's, let's move on uh, to wide receiver. The first wide receiver off the board, Hollywood Brown to the Baltimore Ravens. I gotta say, I'm surprised here. I don't think I didn't think that the Baltimore Ravens would take a wide receiver because I don't. I just didn't see their their um, offense catering to that. Obviously, they believe in Lamar Jackson as a passer. If they want to get him this type of weapon, uh, he's known for his ability to break. Uh, big runs and break some speed stuff and uh, get open in the open field. And Lamar Jackson in college, and I know you guys aren't a big fan of Lamar Jackson, but in college, he did throw one of the better deep balls of any passer. Uh, when he was in the pocket, when he was out of the pocket, he was a great deep ball passer. So I wonder if I mean, last year, Lamar Jackson looked very nervous. Uh, he was timid. We, we often watched him and said he looks like he's just aiming the ball and kind of flicking it. Um, if he can get into his actual throwing motion and start throwing the way he did in college, then Hollywood Brown's going to have a, 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 an impact. I will tell you guys this, though. Rookie wide receivers should never be drafted because rookie wide receivers need time to acclimate. Um, have them on your watch list. Pick them up later in the season. But I'm not taking a rookie wide receiver at any point. Well, I don't know about never any draft. Drafted. Never. Don't draft him. I. I promise I think you, Nikhil Harry is worth a draft pick. You want to take Nikhil Harry in like the twelfth round? All right, maybe, but I'm not. I'm not. No, I, I, no, I'm not. I'm gonna wait. 
Um, but anyway, crazy, if there's man. one, if there's a guy I would pick, it would be Hollywood Brown. Uh, he w- he has the ability to get open uh, better than anyone in the draft. I think. What do you think, Michael? Uh, I'm I'm on the record saying that Hollywood Brown's size scares me. Uh, he's definitely an outlier if he were to be a a dynamic wide receiver. That's just not happening with his size in recent memory. But we see the the league changing to more of a speed game anyway. So maybe he he does break the mold. But it's just it's really not a great landing spot. It's a great landing spot opportunity wise because he's. Going up against Willie Sneed, Chris Moore, and later draft pick Miles Boykin. He'll for be the targets. number one wide receiver. So it, he's definitely going to be on the field early and often. I just don't think it's a great line spot with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson threw two touchdowns to wide receivers overall last year in the games that he started. Two overall to all wide receivers. Uh, so I do think it's it's a difficult spot there for Hollywood Brown. It's, the Ravens are more than likely going to be a run-first team. Lead the league in rushing yards more than likely. And uh, I do expect Hollywood Brown to get a lot of screen action, though, and receptions close to the line on, like, uh, drag routes and things of that sort, which I could see Hollywood Brown with a seven-reception, 24-yard, zero-touchdown line, and you're like, damn, that sucks. Not in PPR. You're like, oh. Well, in, like, half PPR. <laughs> we're t- we're yeah. We usually do half PPR. And But then I could also see him having a game where he goes four receptions for 129 yards and a yeah. touchdown. Because he broke out two long ones. He'll be one of those guys where you'll have to rely on the true throw value and the true target value so, to really get get what you need. From I him. think so, a big thing here. I, I I think his floor is basically as low as his ceiling is high, but he was like ridiculously dynamic. He broke seventeen tackles on seventy seven receptions last season, and he's so small. Ten touchdowns. Yeah, he he uh he produces on the outside and in the slot. He said he he felt like he could break the forty yard time. Record if he was healthy and was able to run it. That's crazy. Mel, I was gonna say, I, and I mean, uh, not Mel Kiper. Tom McShay said he was the best wide receiver he's ever evaluated. I think this is gonna help out on the outside where the Ravens are gonna teams are gonna obviously try to stop the run against the Ravens, and then good luck to the person blocking Hollywood Brown one on one. Yep, that's where I think he's gonna feast, and that's where Lamar Jackson's gonna have to get his shit together. Yeah, and so he's gonna have to make those throws. It's gonna be Hollywood Brown versus the speed Lamar Jackson. Might help. Here. Lamar Jackson's accuracy a little bit, too. Because he can run it down. As long as Lamar Jackson's overthrowing him. Right. Yeah. Which he will. He's, the dude's got a strong arm. That's undeniable. Um, let's go to the next pass catcher. Uh, Nikhil Harry, uh, wide receiver, Arizona State. Michael's boy. Uh, Michael, I'll let you take this one over. I think this is such a Patriots pick. I said this in my Patriots um, in the preview that I did for Instagram, IG, uh, veteransminimum.com. Uh, I mean, veteransminimum on Instagram, at veteransminimum. Um, cheap plug, but one thing that I said was they're not going to draft a tight end. Everyone's like, yeah, they're going to draft a tight end. They're going to no. The Patriots don't just draft someone to replace someone. They draft the need, and they needed a big red zone target. And whether that's on the outside or a tight end, that's what they got, and they got Nikhil Harry. Michael, you were singing Nikhil Harry's praises for a minute now, so please tell the people why. Yeah, there are so many people who are like. Hot take, the Patriots are a bad landing spot for Nikhil Harry because Tom Brady's old. I'm like, look, dude, 
Especially Are you making fun of Jason in advance right now? No, Jason's talking about that. Dynasty Leagues. No, I'm talking about Dynasty Oh, okay. People that, think that it's bad this year. Like, yeah. No. Okay. Yeah, this year. Being like, on the Patriots this years, year yeah. is bad. Sure. <laughs> Look, Nikhil Harry's 6'2", 228. Ridiculous size. Ridiculous uh, athletic ability. Great route runner. That was his best aspect of his game. Great hands. Had over 1,000 yards receiving each of the last two seasons. 17 touchdowns. Over 14 yards per completion. Also broke 38 tackles in three seasons, so he wasn't easy to take down. When uh, when he was in space, either he uh, PFF explosive plays. Nikhil Harry led the nation in the last two seasons. Ooh. Yeah. So and then look a lot because everyone's like the Patriots is just Edelman, man. It's just Edelman, and no other receivers do work. Look at the other receivers that we're talking about with the Patriots over the last few years. Of course, they're not viable receivers because they're terrible receivers. Comparing Harry to the other receivers they've drafted in the third round and lower is yeah man. Is like not Josh Gordon was a wide receiver three last season when healthy. Who? Why can't Nikhil Harry be better than Josh Gordon who hasn't played for four seasons and randomly goes back and then leaves again? Like Josh Gordon's head was clearly not completely in the game and he hasn't. He didn't. He took like three years off in between, and then. You guys, guy looks like Brandon Lloyd, who was a stud when he was on the Patriots because he was actually a decent receiver. And everyone knows what Randy Moss did when he was on the Patriots. I'm not saying Nikhil Harry is Randy Moss by any means, but they utilize outside receivers when they have outside receivers to utilize. So I think it's absolutely nuts that people think this is a bad landing spot for Nikhil Harry. They're going to utilize his skill set. I think it's a great landing spot for Nikhil Harry. Sure, he'll have some up and down games, as all rookies do, but on the outside... He's going up against Philip Dorsett and DT. I wouldn't even be surprised if DT Demarius doesn't Thomas. even make the team. Yeah, Demarius Thomas. Jason, what do you think about this? Let me ask you guys a question. Do you think he'll see six targets a game? Six no. is a, is a bit much. Was that 90 catches? No. Okay, so because if you want to compare to last year, that's how many targets a game Josh, uh, Josh Gordon saw. Six targets per game. And he was 35th in true throw value. Tom Brady last year was very efficient. True target value. True target value. Tom Brady last year was very efficient throughout the season in terms of averageness, like in true throw value. He was very just plateau. I'm going to be in between 10 and 20 the entire year, that type of player. He ended up finishing 17th in true throw value, which when translated to Josh Gordon's six targets per game, made him the 35th wide receiver. So if we think he's going to see six targets per game, then we could expect a wide receiver three-type season. If we think we're going to see less, we can ex- expect a little less. Uh, also, it's not out of the realm to think that Tom Brady might improve a little bit over last year and uh, have a few more points per throw, maybe throw a few more touchdowns because they were very run-heavy at the end of last season. So I do think that Nikhil Harry has uh, wide receiver three appeal. You said that Josh Gordon averaged six targets a game and that he was 35th in true target value. I think that's... I think that's Nikhil Harry's ceiling this season. I like I, I, I like receivers a lot better in their second year than I do in their rookie year, if I haven't made that clear. I got burned last year. I drafted Cortland Sutton. I drafted DJ Moore. I like these guys a lot. Um, they weren't relevant until they got acclimated, and that's basically the, the, the deal with rookie uh, wide receivers. They start slow. So, um, you know, Nikhil Harry... Could end up making an impact, but he's going to have to earn not only Tom Brady's trust, but the trust of Bill Belichick, which is I think easy. it's a good shot to kill Harry ends with the most fancy points of our rookie wide receivers. Uh, I can't say that I don't that I don't disagree. I can't Nicole say that I disagree. Cole Hardman. 
Um, let's go to the next player. Uh, the fourth pick in the second round, Debo Samuel out of South, South Carolina. Uh, Debo, there's really one way to describe this guy. He's a playmaker. Dynamic with the ball in his hands. Uh, good in the open field. It's very clear what the 49ers are trying to do. They are trying to surround Jimmy G with playmakers. Now, a lot of people are tell- are saying that the addition of Debo Samuel and the, adi- and the addition of Andy Isabella... Um, oh, no, wait a minute. I'm bugging. Um... That's a different team. <laughs> both Hurt. red. Yeah, and Jalen Hurd. They let's talk about both now. Um, if you guys don't mind. Uh Jalen Hurd, big slot guy, kinda in the mold of um I want to talk about Jalen Hurd a little bit. Because Jalen Hurd, a lot of people don't know his story. He's a he's a flex. It's super cool. He's a real yeah. life flex. J- he basically is a real life flex real life flex. Jalen Hurd, Tim, was the backup to Alvin. No, actually was the starter over Alvin Kamara as a running back in Tennessee in 2015. Ran for 1,285 yards and 12 touchdowns. Ended up transferring to uh, Baylor and became a wide receiver. And last season had 946 yards and four touchdowns with 209 rushing yards and three touchdowns of 48 attempts. And then Kyle Shanahan, like two days ago, said, oh, yeah, he's a he's good in the slot. Uh, he will probably give him a few rushes. 6-4. We could even see him becoming a tight end. So this guy is just probably going to be everywhere on the field. So very cool. I don't know how fancy relevant he's going to be. Not very really. cool story. I, he reminds me of Cooper Cup. Tall slot guy who's uh, no. s- suspiciously fast. You crazy. I don't think so. But if you look at the team, they have Pettis, Samuel, Goodwin, Bourne, Jordan Matthews, Tevin Coleman, Jarek McKinnon, Matt Breida, Jeff Wilson, Raheem Monster, George Kittle. That is a fun team to play. Jalen Hurd playing all three of those positions. What about what about Sa- Debo Samuel? Let's talk about him. That's what I'm saying. Now. So it's that crowded. And then Debo Samuel's a four-year player who had average production his entire career. Ah, playmaker though, man. Sure, but he never had that season that was like, wow, this guy... Just absolutely killed it. You're shitting on Debo right now. I am shitting on Debo right now. He's a very good route runner. He's very good with short passes. He's going to have to depend on Yak. I think Yak is going to be the key to his season. If he's going to be a very good Yak runner, then he's going to be a decent wide receiver three option. Best case scenario. By by week 12. I think more likely he's not going to be very relevant this year. You know, Debo Samuel broke uh, 21 tackles last season on t- 62 receptions. All right, well, it's not, he's going to need yak. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you say he's yak. He, he's done it throughout his career. He also scored 11 touchdowns on the 62 receptions. It's a strong red zone weapon there as well, despite the smaller stature than you expect from a red zone guy. I think the addition of both Jalen Hurd and um, Debo Samuel, is it's kind of like you um, with the UDFAs before. I mean, if that means I can get Marquise Goodwin in the 11th round or, like, the 10th round, sign me up. Because people forget that Marquise Goodwin mm. and Jimmy G, like, have telepathy. And Jimmy G loves throwing to him. So when you have a rapport with a, with a running back like that, a couple rookies coming in is not going to change that in that first year. Um, A.J. Brown will be opposite of um, – to go – Beside Jason and Michael's favorite player, Corey Davis. Oh, yeah, oh, uh, yeah. People thought that A.J. Brown was the better Ole Miss wide receiver, and it turns out that he went uh, earlier. Size, strength, speed, seems like the total package. What do you guys think? Listen, first of all, the better quarterback in Tennessee is Ryan Tannehill. Damn. I agree. Secondly, Damn, that's crazy. 
Corey Davis had a good amount of targets last season. Don't remember what it was off the top of my head, but a good amount of targets. He's the reason why true throw value and true target value was created. Corey Davis. And That's after true. his first year, using the statistic, he came 34th. He was the th- he should have scored the 34th most fantasy points last season with the targets that he saw. And people thought he was going to be a wide receiver too because the targets that he saw should equate to way more points than that and should be way higher than wide receiver 34. And now you're bringing in A.J. Brown. So what I'm saying is neither are options anymore. Someone who's going to get less targets than that for Mariota is not even going to be in the flex range. And then Corey Davis, is if his targets drop because of A.J. Brown... He's not. He's going to be in the flex range at the top. I'm probably going to rank both these guys outside my top 45. Top 45 out. Look, I'm in my opinion, the Tennessee Titans receiving uh, core there is basically the Philadelphia Eagles running back situation in the last two, three years or so. Just don't really bother because they're not going to live up to their ADP. So I'm with you there. I'm not taking Corey Davis. I'm not taking they they added Adam Humphreys as well, who's gonna steal targets from both of them. So I like AJ Brown as a prospect. I like him as a player, but we're talking about the Titans, we're talking about Marcus Mariota. I hope it's Ryan Tannehill. I'll I'll consider them more and move him up my rankings. If Ryan Tannehill's their quarterback. Damn. That's a high praise for Ryan Tannehill. He's not used to that. No, it's, it's not. not. It's low, low praise, praise for Mariota. Mariota. <laughs> You guys are so twins. Um, Twinning. Next on the board is Nicola. a guy. Oh my god, that was annoying. Um, <laughs> shout out to like unisex names, Nicole, Nicole uh, Hardman. I don't now, even know if it's a unisex name because I've never heard that name in my life. Sounds like Nicole, right? Um, so it's not. You gotta think like if Tyree Kill wasn't a complete uh, piece of shit. Uh, if this is even a pick. He's basically Tyreek Hill. Giant speed. If you He's don't bump him Tyree at the line. Hill. Can you please stop for a He's second? He's just fast. Shush. If you don't bump him on the line, he will get open. He has the ability to break tackles in the open field. Um, He's a guy that I think has the ability to come out. And look, who else is a pass catching option on the outside in Kansas City right now? Sammy Watkins. Yeah. Marcus Robinson. And that's it. Demarcus Robinson, don't don't count me as someone who believes in him. So if there's one wide receiver, rookie wide receiver in this draft that I would be comfortable drafting, it's McCole Hardman. Uh, I think that they have a purpose for him and they have a game plan. And they, you saw last year that they're not afraid to plug in a player in a role rather than fix the role for a player. And I think that he plugs in completely in the Tyree Kill role. Now, is he going to be Tyree Kill? Like, Michael loves to cut me off and yell at me, but no, I'm not saying he's going to be Tyreek Hill in his rookie season, but I'm saying he does have that similar skill set because he has that breakaway speed that Tyreek Hill had. What I'm telling you is that they don't have a similar skill set. They're both just fast. Tyreek Hill and Tavon Austin don't have similar skill sets. Right, same size, same Same hand size. Those aren't skill sets. He ran a 4-3. those That's are what they're player about. attributes. They're not skill sets. They're not well, route running ability. They're not attribute wise. They're the same. Where's your chart that tells me that his his route running tree is not as as impressive as Tyreek Hill's? Miko Hardman. Other teams also wanted him. The Jets uh, were trying to trade up for him when the Chiefs, or we're gonna pick soon. I don't know, but the Jets got beat out by the Chiefs by a couple picks. Interesting. I don't know. I just think people are. There. Are going a little too crazy on Miko Hardman. Here's my thoughts. He can either end up, he can be Albert Wilson. He could be. 
Albert Wilson, not for nothing, for the first time last year, was used properly. He's a decent he, player. And he he's be, he's but he's good. not going to be a wide receiver one. Right? Why he not? Be, Chris Conley was just as fast. He can be Chris Conley. Nah, he was not just as fast. He could be Chris Conley's very Mark fast. Good what, ta- what, 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 he didn't run a 4 Chris three, Conley three, was an athletic freak. Yeah. Chris Conley is way more of a... These athletic, athletic freaks don't always pan out. You expect. But... His name is Chris Conley, though. I know, right? It sounds like he's slow. Like, McCole Hardman sounds like a... Chris Conley sounds like, <laughs> like a thumping back. Yeah. He ran a 4.35. His speed score sure. yeah. was in the 98th percentile. His burst score was 100th percentile. What's his height? Wow. Uh, 6'2". He was a, he's a bigger... Wait. Wow. 213. Why hasn't he been more productive? I know. Left toe <laughs> side. <laughs> it's not always about... No, of course. But here's the deal. I'm in the business... 97th percentile spark athlete. Of return on value, kid. Shit. And guess what? This guy is Patrick Mahomes throwing him the ball. The number one yeah. true throw value quarterback in the league. By His throws last year were worth double the amount of Josh Allen and Josh Rosen. So even if Hardman sees five targets, that's like seeing 10 targets from Josh Allen. And Tyreek Hill's not going to be on the field. So someone's going to have to try to replace him. Here's the key difference here. Tyreek Hill and Mahomes had a great connection. When a play would break down, Tyreek Hill would run one way. Mahomes would throw it deep down the field. Hill would run in front of a defender and catch it. You can't just expect Hardman to do that. Uh, so Mahomes might end up throwing a few more picks this I, year because of it. I think that you can't expect Hardman to not do that as well, though. I think that, it, like, who knows, like, how long did it take him to build a rapport with Tyreek Hill? Didn't take long. I, I wouldn't his his season might be similar to Tyreek Hill's rookie season. Which will take which you're taking. It'll just be uh well, his, it'll just be quicker. Quicker developed. Yeah, Tyreek Hill's rookie season started. He, didn't, he he wasn't even on the field the first few. Yeah, weeks. Hardman will need to Tyreek Hill will always be one of my best calls of all time. Yeah, that was great. And he was one percent owned. So go grab this guy. Um, so I th- I think you need to take a shot on Hardman whether you believe in him or not. I agree. I think that You'd be foolish not to. I think you'll also be foolish. Just like Damian Williams. I think you'll also be foolish to expect um, our boy Pat Mahomes to score to throw 50 touchdowns again. I think it's – you can't take away this many weapons and expect the quarterback to be 50 touchdown great. I think it's just not in the cards. Travis Kelsey might end up with like 1,600 yards. He's if, he's if, a, if this continues. He's maybe a first-round pick. He's like – I'm thinking of him like I used to think of Gronk. Yeah. Um. All right, let's move on. Uh, JJ Arcega. Arce- White Arce- Arce- Call him JJ, all kid. Um, big 50 50 ball guy. Um, look, the Eagles needed a guy on the outside. Fix two, 225, prototypical guy. Uh, what do you guys think about JJ this year? Uh, JJ Aw. Basically, his draft selection was a going away party for Nelson Aguilar, in my opinion. Uh, especially last with year's contract, yeah. Especially with the signing of Djax as well, we'll probably get like a fifth round pick or something for Aguilar or anything to just dump him. Wouldn't off, be surprised if he's caps way off their team. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, Arcega Whiteside has a tremendous ability to go up and get the ball. He had one of the best contested catch rates of all players in college last season. He caught 19 of 32 contested ball opportunities, which over 50 percent of going up and getting it one on one against a defender is something you definitely want on your team. He had over 1,000 yards receiving last season on 63 receptions. So he was getting a lot of yards per reception as well. 14 touchdowns. He was a big-time red zone weapon. Uh, 
He's an outside receiver. He doesn't work in the slot, so Djax is more than likely going to be in the slot. He's going to line up outside of outside uh, with Alshon Jeffrey in three wide receiver sets. We've seen Carson Wentz make multiple multiple receivers fantasy relevant in the past. I'm not a huge Jeffrey guy. I'm also not a huge Djax guy at this point in the uh, in his career. So there is going to be opportunity for Sega Whiteside to make some plays. He's not someone I am going to draft early in drafts or anything of that sort, but if he falls to me late as like a flyer, I'm okay with that because I think he's definitely going to have the opportunity and be used in the red zone as well. I'm going to use true values again to try to estimate where Jay Jaw is going to end up this season. Uh, Carson wants 32% of his targets in his career have gone to tight ends. And last season... What happens when you have Zach Ertz, though? Yeah, and his attempts per game is 36 on average. So you need to deduct 12 targets per game to go to tight ends. That leaves 24 targets. That's going to go to Jeffrey, Djax, Aguilar if he's around, J-Jaw, all the running backs, and then all the other random players out there. So if you distribute 24 among those guys, you're let's say J-Jaw ends up with six targets a game. That's a, that's a bit higher. Than seems I a little high, it. though, right? But it seems like best-case scenario, to be honest, six targets a game. That would be good for 7.5 standard points, 10.5 full PPR, which would put him in the wide receiver 3 range, more so in the back end, in the mid-32 area. So you're going to need some dominoes to fall, uh, especially if he's going to... He might not be involved in the offense right away. That's something to consider as well. And you need to consider how many targets he's going to see in a team with a lot of weapons. Best case scenario is, by the end of the year, he's a mid-range wide receiver three. Paris Campbell was lauded as a genius draft pick um, by uh, Chris Ballard, who continues to not be able to do anything incorrectly. Um, I thought you were going to say correctly for a second. What are you talking about? Chris uh, Ballard's nice. Yeah, incorrectly. Uh, Ohio State, he ran a 4-3-3 at the Combine. Uh, Explosive player on tape. 4-3-1, I think, no? It says 4-3-3 here. Um, where I have it, but if it's four three one, Andy Isabella ran a four three one, and that was the fastest of any wide receiver. All right. So um, Paris Campbell ran a four three three. It says here, um, look, Andrew Luck needed a guy like this to complement T Y Hilton and Devin Funchess, and you can't forget Eric Ebron out there. Um, he's another guy who I think could be fantasy relevant this year, um, although I'm not drafting him. Uh, like I said, not saying that I won't play rookie running backs. I mean wide receivers. I just won't draft them. Um, I'm going to be patient on him. So what do you guys think about Paris Campbell and his ability to uh, break some long runs in that dome in Indy? He worked around the line of scrimmage a shitload in college. Like, that was basically his role, catch screens. That was his job. And, I mean, it's a job that's needed in Indy. I think more than anything, he's going to take targets away from Naheem Hines, not necessarily T.Y. Hilton or Devin Funches. And uh, that's probably not something other people are going to say, but I feel like that's the person that he's competing with. Maybe a few Jack Doyle targets as well, because those are a little more mid-range. I think he's going to be very boom-bust this year. Uh, you're going to need him to break one for in order to be productive. I think I'll have a similar season to, say, Traycon Smith of last year. Not necessarily in the same way. Traycon Smith, more of a deep ball guy. But that boom-bust type of way, wide receiver three. The, the Colts also have Deion Kane. Uh, receiver out of Clemson who was injured last year, but he was a productive wide receiver in college as well. Yeah, Paris Campbell is interesting because he's he's a slot receiver. He's not going to move to the outside. That's just not his game. And like you said, 
last year, Dwayne Haskins targeted him 111 times. 21 of those targets were 10 or more yards downfield. That's, That's it. Crazy. 10. Like, uh, only 2 or 20 or more yards downfield. He ended the year with 95 targets, 79 receptions, and 939 yards. So he was basically just getting the ball near the line of scrimmage, and they were saying, Let him do what he does. Go do your thing, boy. Yeah. And he was like, Skirt, skirt, and just. Another guy that earned his way onto the field. Yeah. And it was, uh, I think it's a great landing spot here for Campbell. Not someone I'm super high on. Not someone I'm probably not someone I'm going to be targeting in fantasy drafts. But we saw Chester Rogers and Ryan Grant (laughs) be fantasy relevant. Coming from the slot last season in games, so That's Paris true. Campbell could could have some nice games. In one of the better moves that Miami did, Miami traded with New Orleans, who traded up to get their pick. Um, they picked a defender, and they got an extra second round pick from New Orleans. Right, that allowed them to have a second round pick to play with. I'm sorry, this is the second round pick from trading up for Davenport last year, I believe. Right, okay. they so, traded a first round pick for Davenport, so it's not that same trade. It's, it's one a of despicable it, trades. Miami and New Orleans traded a pick, and somehow, um, New, they got New Orleans second round pick, and that's the pick they got for Josh Rosen. So what do they do? They trade away Josh Rosen, and they get Kyler Murray, a big time weapon. Andy Isabella out of UMass, uh, seventeen hundred yards last season. He ran the fastest forty time of anyone in the combine, three point one. Um. If you see him on film, he stands out for his speed. Uh, small, white dude, so could be the reason why he um, why he was undervalued, even at the speed that he was at. Uh, reads like a slot receiver, and Larry Fitzgerald turns 36 in August. So how do you feel about Andy Isabella this season? He was the number one overall wide receiver going to PFF last season in college. 101 receptions, 1,696 yards. Led the nation in uh, yards per route run, which is impressive. Like you said, he's undersized, but he is fast as fuck. So he uh, makes up for it there. And it's not just his, he's not just a slot receiver by any means. He was a very effective downfield weapon as well. He had uh, over 700 yards on receptions of 20 yards or greater. So that is a ridiculous amount of yards on deep ball passes. Yeah, uh, so he's someone, he did play at UMass, like you said, which is not the best competition that you could find in the NCAA. So that was another thing that scared a lot of people off by Andy Isabella. But, I mean, here we are with uh, Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, supposed to be this huge new offense here. So they got another rookie here in Andy Isabella who can make some noise. Excited to see how they're able to make this work. I'm not sure how Isabella's going to stand out of the pact there, to be honest. They already have Kirk. They have Christian Kirk. They have Larry Fitzgerald. They also drafted Akeem Butler. First pick in the fourth round, so pretty uh, decent value there. Uh, It's not like it was a throwaway pick. He's 6'5", 227. You know who had more catches 20 yards down the field than Isabella last year? Hakeem Butler. He had more than everyone, 19. So if he's going to be the big option... For Murray, the downfield option. We have Fitz in the slot. We have Christian Kirk still out there moving around the field. Isabella, the 5'9 receiver with 4'3'1 speed. What exactly is his role going to be? Like, he's a dynamic player and he can make plays. I just don't know where his role is going to be. 
I think in a dynasty league, he looks a lot better than... I think when Larry Fitzgerald retires, that's when Andy Isabella gets his shot. But it's going to be hard to see him produce this year. But I'm not counting it out. Let's talk about Hakeem Butler since you guys mentioned him and it's the same team. He was taken in the fourth round with the number one pick. We still have other picks to go. We're still in the second round. But let's talk about this as the same team. Hakeem Butler, big target, 6'5", 227. Uh, he'll play on the outside. So he doesn't, he doesn't really play the same position that Andy Isabella does. How do you feel about Hakeem Butler this year? They got him at a great at a great value too. A lot of people had him as uh, one of their top ten uh, wide receivers, but he ends up going in the fourth round with the first pick. Sixty uh, sixth overall uh, was his was his ranking on ESPN. So great value. Uh, what do you think, Mike? Hakeem Butler is someone uh, Jason is higher on than I am, but he Hakeem Butler is basically the taller more uh, built version of Andy Isabella because he's a downfield threat who's effective in yards run. He's not as fast, but a lot of people had Hakeem Butler ranked significantly higher than Andy Isabella in their wide receiver ranking. So it's, I, Isabella obviously has the draft stock on his side. So I think he does get the first shot at reps there. Uh, Who knows? Maybe Butler does beat him out, but I think Butler has a tough road ahead of him to make an immediate impact this season for fancy purposes. Look, we have a rookie coach, a rookie quarterback, rookie wide receivers. If I'm taking a shot in fantasy, I'm going to take the guy who's cheaper, and that's going to be Butler. I'm going to try I'm. I'll take a shot Fair on enough. Butler over Isabella. Interesting. Um, let's go back into the second round. Uh, the last pick in the second round, DK Metcalf, who fell all the way down to the second last pick in the second round. Um you guys are probably going to disagree with me on this. I think Seattle is the exact perfect destination for him. One thing that DK Metcalf does better than anyone is go straight. Um, he's impossible to stop on the line. He beats man-to-man coverage, so you have to play off of him. Um, that gives him an advantage. And if you let him run past you, he can run past you. So he doesn't really have a great route tree, but he runs the nine route better than anyone. And Russell Wilson is a guy who likes to throw that nine route. I think he has the ability to be like Tyler Lockett pre-last season, Tyler Lockett, when Doug Baldwin was still around. Um, since we last spoke, Doug Baldwin, he might not ever play again because of his injuries. Um, they're piling up, and he's about to turn 30, so he might call it quits. If he does, then expect Tyler Lockett to take Doug Baldwin's place in that slot, and they're going to need someone out there. Uh, David Moore and DK Metcalf are two giant beasts on the outside uh, that I think Russell Wilson will very much enjoy. Um, if I'm DK Metcalf, I am pumped to be a Seattle Seahawks. What do you guys think? Because the fantasy community is split on this. Brian Schottenheimer hates fantasy teams is what I think about it. Uh, not looking for DK Metcalf much here because the Seahawks are only going to pass like 25 times a game and there's just not that much to go around, especially a guy for a guy who's basically a one-trick pony at this point. But, that's, but his trick... Like that's what made Tyler Lock Tyler that shit Lockie, a trick, dogs. Yeah, that's what made Ty Lockie so valuable Lockie. for so long. All right, I'm gonna hop in because I agree with him. Ooh, I think sexy. you're right. I I agree with your Lockett um, Dang. comparison from the year before. I agree with everything you said. I'm gonna kiss your head. That I mean, I do have a nice <laughs> kissable bald head. Uh, I agree with everything that's being said. If Doug Baldwin retires, yes, yes. Big caveat if Doug Baldwin Last retired. season when Baldwin was out, Lockett put, went into the slot 60% of the time. Bang, bang. Metcalf will then be the number one option on the outside. And Michael, yes, Schottenheimer doesn't know how to run an offense. 
exactly why Metcalf's two routes are going to be streak and slant. Yep. Or maybe a hook as Fair well. Fair enough. <laughs> He's not going to be asked to do anything fancy. And if anyone's going to oh, get him fancy, the ball, huh? it's Russell Wilson. And even with the limited throws last season, Russell Wilson was so efficient in it, third and true throw value that Baldwin and Lockett were both top 30 wide receivers in true target value. So if Baldwin is gone, I'm I'm about Metcalf. Hmm. Um, the next guy, Deontay Johnson, is very interesting. He could just be kind of like a troll pick uh, by the Steelers, but when the Steelers pick a wide receiver, everyone, you need to listen because they've drafted four Pro Bowl wide receivers uh, since 2009, none of them in the first round. Um, Deontay Johnson, again, third, the th- second round of the third pick, 5'11", 183, from a MAC conference, does that remind you of anyone? And this is the pick they got from Oakland in the Antonio Brown trade. He's basically Antonio Brown's twin. Like, but saying that he is Antonio Brown is something else. But if you, if you listen to his his tale of the tape, he's a crafty route runner. He's he tested poorly at the combine, but he shows great speed on tape. This is basically the same scouting report that Antonio Brown. Yeah, he had. was viewed as one of the best route runners in college, and being drafted by Pittsburgh. Speaks volumes in and of itself. But Antonio Brown didn't have an impact his rookie season. Mm. Juju didn't have a huge impact halfway through his rookie season. He's just so good that it didn't matter because he just forced his way onto the field. And James Washington last season did not have much of an impact his rookie season. So I don't think we have to. They have Dante Moncrief there now too with Juju and James Washington. So I don't think Deontay Johnson needs to be spoken about for redraft purposes. I do think that. Route running is a very important tool that's often overlooked. I also think that sometimes when people don't really have much else to talk about, they'll throw in route running as a positive. And I feel like that's the thing here. Yeah. I'm not excited about you this guy also at all. just be a it's, good route runner. It's also hard to say that when the Steelers... The Steelers are probably the best receiver evaluating team that we've ever seen. So I if, disagree with this pick, but that is a good point. Yeah, so if they think he's a good route runner, then he probably is. Not fine, but I just don't know how good he's going to be. I mean, that's people, fair. All right. Come on with the Antonio Brown comparison. I, I mean, I'm just saying. But <laughs> a, a, a lot of people are doing that. There are some parallels. That's all I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not comparing. I'm paralleling. Parallelogram. <laughs> because they're so twins. You say weird shit at the same time. Um, Terry McLaurin, we talked about him um, before. He joins Dwayne Haskins. Um, he was Dwayne Haskins' big target. He loved going deep. Uh, to McLaurin last year, um, Washington wide receivers only had 145 receptions. He's a guy that could step in with if Haskins gets that starting job. He already has a built-in rapport with Terry. Maybe he could make a difference. McLaurin could yeah. be a when Keenum gets benched in Week Five and Haskins comes in, waiver pickup that is a wide receiver three the rest of the year. Kind of in the same vein of when Josh Rosen came in, everyone was like, "Get Christian Kirk," and Christian Kirk ended up being not a wide receiver. Well, three. Rosen was starting all year. What do you mean? Was he not Rosen's? You're forgetting the back hit man himself. Ghost. The ghost of Sam Bradford. Ghost. Ebenezer Scrooge. <laughs> so, so remember, though, when, when Rosen came in, that was when everyone was like, all right, now you can get on Christian Kirk. So um, I think it's kind of the same exact situation. And look, man, it's not like the Redskins receiving. Josh Doxson. I think it's about time everyone knows he's a bust. Paul Richardson was which at last year everyone knew was one of the worst signings, the the money that they gave him. Right off the bait. 
Trey Quinn, who has shown some flashes, and now sixth round pick Kelvin Harmon, who fell drastically in the draft. But yeah, McLaurin's gonna be able to play with his OG Ohio State quarterback, and he has a direct path to playing time with the terrible Redskins receiving corps. So yeah, definitely someone to keep in mind for like the second half of the season. Miles Boykin goes next to the Ravens. Six, Boykin, six four, two twenty, has the. One of those spark athletes that just stood out. Everything he did in the combine was over, uh, was well above average. Um, this is a much different player than Marquise uh, Brown or Hollywood Brown, as we call him. Um, he's going to be a guy who can get up and make those contested catches. Lamar Jackson, you know his thing's not accuracy. So they need a big guy who can maybe uh, make that window a little wider for Lamar Jackson. Um, this is a guy who I wouldn't take a chance on this year, but I think has a chance to grow with this offense and really be special. Yeah. I just say just re-listen to the Hollywood Brown segment and see how we feel about Lamar Jackson's passing abilities. Yeah. It's going to be hard enough for Lamar Jackson to make one fantasy volleyball receiver. He certainly won't make two. I mean, you don't. I I don't as say the, won't. He won't. As the say cool kids are saying it, not. he will not. As the cool kids are saying these days, Miles Boykin ain't it, Chief. <laughs> Man, I just want to smack you. <laughs> I said that because I knew it would piss you off. Because you're the old person, so it was an old person. <laughs> He's like, what's this lingo here now, folks? Yeah, I teach sixth grade, guys. I, I know more cool lingo than you guys will ever know. All right. What's the jazz? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Gary Jennings Jr., six one two fourteen out of West Virginia. Um, vertical route runner, top end speed. To um, Seattle. To Seattle. I'm sorry. <laughs> to Seattle. So a guy kind of in the same vein as um, DK Lockett. Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. Like they're not making a secret. They want to go. Whew! Down the field. Uh, old Brian Schottenheimer. They want to, yeah, they want to run, 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 play action pass. And that's and when you do that, you open up those safeties. So um, another guy that could do that in the fourth round, Gary Jennings Jr. out of West Virginia. I want to get to the next guy. All right, let's get it. Riley Ridley. Trash. What? Riley Ridley is trash. How can you say that? He is trash. What do you mean? Explain. Like you're gonna have to go a little bit more in depth than look at his measurables. Look at his speed. Look at his agility score. Look at everything. He's a basic ass receiver. He's old. He's old. Just like Calvin Ridley coming out of college was old. Four five eight forty yard dash. Dude, I still think Calvin Ridley is a spark athlete. The Ridley brothers are not. I'm not a fan of the Ridley brothers. The dude can. The dude's a smart receiver though. Could run good routes. He had a lot of success in college. That's what they say about bad receivers. Good route runner. What else you got to say about him? Mm, not much. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I just think that he has a good opportunity in, in Chicago. I think that more more than anything, you have A-Rob, who has a history of injuries. You have Anthony Miller, who I actually expect to take a big step up this year. Um, Taylor Gabriel's a good receiver. Right. Taylor Gabriel as well. He'll have, he'll have an opportunity to play if any one of those guys gets hurt, and Gabriel has a has an injury history and A Rob has an injury history. I don't history, see so Riley Ridley being any better than Josh Bellamy. Really, Josh Bellamy? Bellamy, that's that's a random. Look at all the Bears. I mean, he's gotcha. on the Jets now. Um, is he? He was on the Bears at one yeah. point. Hunter Renfro is the next player. Uh, he is on the Jets now. What a bad signing. We're starting the. Well, he's going to be the kick returner. Um, we'll start the fifth round here. Uh, Hunter Renfro goes to. Um, the Raiders, oh, Darius God, Slayton goes to the Giants. Keyshawn Johnson, uh, Travis Fulgham of Old Dominion in the, to the Lions. 
Jawan Winfrey to the Broncos, Marcus Green to the Falcons, Kevin Harmon to the Redskins, blah, 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 blah. Uh, two wide receivers get picked by the uh, Vikings in the seventh round, Dylan Mitchell and Olabisi Johnson, Johnson out of Colorado State. Um, I there, like Olabisi. Is there anyone here that you guys would like to talk about? I think that Olabisi is a decent like late-round dynasty just person to hold on to. To a person to put on your taxi squad. But if we're looking for someone this year that could contribute, Darius Slayton went to the Giants. They don't necessarily have an outside wide receiver. Slayton might have to step in and be an outside wide receiver from day one. So just in that sense, he could contribute this year. Um, I'm not taking a pick, a chance on a seventh round pick. Um, yeah, I'm not. 49 receivers drafted in the sixth round since 2000. Only four have ever had a top 36 fantasy season. So yeah. if you're taking someone from the sixth round, you are taking a If I'm taking chance. someone from the sixth round, it's Calvin Harmon. But I'm not taking Calvin Harmon. So. All right, let's move on to our last uh, category, tight ends, because we already touched on, you know, that fullback Chandler Cox, uh, fullback at Volberg. Um, <laughs> 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 we also discussed Jalen Hurd. All right. So the first tight end that we got on the board, we won't take too long a tight end. There's like three, Woo-hoo! let's say four tight ends that actually deserve to be talked about. Take off about. your socks and pass me the hawks. Who's the fourth? <laughs> uh, Drew Staple, Sample. Yeah. No. Man, second round tight end. Drew yeah. Sample, look, he was, I, I'll just get right into Drew Sample. You want to get, no, wait. <laughs> uh, t- <laughs> <laughs> First round. It's gonna take like four seconds. <laughs> Look, guys, I Look, just want to let you know. It's small it's, sample shush, size. Shush, shush. It's ten fifty three on the East Coast right now. We're doing this late night. We're one hour and thirty seven minutes into this podcast. Michael is into delirious Michael Moss. That's not true. You're like, I just want to talk even... about Drew Sample. Wait, we've been going in order this entire draft. All of a sudden, you're like, yo, let me just jump into the fourth player draft. It's in the gonna second take round. four seconds. No, no. Him, you cannot talk about him, Tim. You started um, with the Auburn fullback. Michael can have one <laughs> gimme. All right. Um, uh, Jason, you, you weren't delirious. Jason, then. Michael, you guys, uh, I know you were not um, happy with the fact that TJ Hawkinson ended up on the Lions. They are known for fucking up tight ends. Do you think that this destroys his fantasy value? This is where Jason tells you I wasn't going to draft him anyway. Hey, <laughs> my guy. <laughs> you don't take rookie tight ends. Uh, that's I'm keeping it like that. You don't take rookie tight ends. It's as simple as that. TJ Hawkinson, great athlete, but Detroit does not know how to use their tight ends. They drafted. Dude, I forgot how high of a pick Brandon Pettigrew was. What a joke. Yeah. Eric Ebron, what a joke. And then last year, Stafford was dreadful. Like, very dreadful. Uh, he was dreadful. Bad offensive line who got a lot of hurt players in that offensive line. A lot of hurt players. I wonder why Timmy's protecting Stafford. A lot of hurt. <laughs> why? Because I picked him to be MVP? Yeah. A lot of hurt players in the offensive line. A lot of hurt players in the core of that of that. Uh, Listen, Hawkinson has... And they traded away Golden Tate, who was his favorite target. Hawkinson has the name. Has the name. That is going to lead to him being like a 10th round pick. And I don't want any part of it. Um, If a tight end is going to break the mold... It's no offense. It'll be Hawkinson or Fant. I prefer Fant at this time. So let's get into into Fant. Um... The Broncos re-signed Jeff Hewerman, so I don't know if Fant is a guy who's going to contribute right away because you said the tight ends are not great. And But there is one exception to this rule when Joe Flacco's your quarterback. Joe Flacco throws the tight ends more than any quarterback in the league. And not necessarily. I have numbers, kid. 
Very close to it, though. He's fifth in the league behind Wentz, Alex Smith, Andrew Luck, and Mariota. He throws well, the tight end. So let's, but let's, well, let's, let's take a look at who we're talking about here, right? We're talking about a guy with Zach Ertz, Zach Ertz, Zach Ertz a guy with Delaney Walker, Delaney Walker, a guy with uh, hold Doyle, on, what are the, LeBron, what are the court, what are the Alex Jordan Smith. Reed. I don't know. He had Jordan, Jordan Reed, Reed and yeah. Travis Kelsey and Kelsey, yeah. yeah, and who else? And Flacco had nobody. It's right, just those four. So. Max Williams, those, Pitta. Right, those guys all... 23% of the time, so they he threw to, to a tight end. Right, and, and he's not throwing a superstar. So he just loves the tight end position. He's not throwing to the best receiver on his team, which the other three guys. You could say that Ertz, Delaney Walker, and who was the third guy again? Uh, Alex Smith. Jordan and Jordan Andrew Reed Luck. are the best pass catchers on their squads. So it's a little bit of a different thing. Joe Flacco t- throws to tight ends because he loves the position. I mean, if anyone's going to break the mold, I think it's Fant. He's I, I in the position that. to do it. It's only Jeff Hewerman standing in his way. It's not like Jake it's... Butt. Hey, Jeff Hewerman is a was a good player Heuerman last year. was good though. last year. Jake he Butt, was. they drafted. You don't take a tight end year, 20th overall hurt. if you love your tight end. I mean, you tra- yeah. they traded back a couple times to get him. They could run two tight end sets. Joe Flacco's all about that. I think they will. About that, about that. Trevor Wesco, two tight end set for the Jets. Look, if you're going oh. into if you're going into the, the season with Joe Flacco as your quarterback, you're not... Playing an air raid offense, that's going to be a run first offense. They got. Royce. I don't know. Joe Flacco was always one of the top quarterbacks at throwing it downfield. What always? What last time that last time he was up there was when? Every time he throws it, the the team he's quarterbacking for, the Ravens, the last like seven years, they're always throwing downfield. I don't know, man. And if you look at average up to target, Flacco's was. Very high in the beginning of his career. 13th, 6th, 7th, 6th. And then in the later years, 30th, 32nd. I mean, he had, he had so his he moments. Passed. With, I guess I'm just living in the Flacco wonder years. <laughs> he had his moments like John with John always Brown. Trying to do. <laughs> but, I mean, if Flacco's your quarterback, you're going to have a run-first offense that's going to feature Lindsey and, and Freeman, and you're going to have tight ends. And but, dude, Fant is 6'4", 249 pounds. I don't know how a linebacker or a safety is supposed to guard him. It's going to be tough. Uh It'll it'll be tough eventually, but I'm not I'm not exactly sure that it'll be tough this year. Um, speaking of big time, my germs. <laughs> see, I'm telling you guys, this is about like no, it's my germs. I'm very excited to talk about Irv Smith. I'm telling Jason, you, this Jason is Jason where tweeted, they. Jason this is where they. Smith this is, is two years from now, George Kittle. I mean, it's hard to Alabama tight ends have been successful. OJ Howard has been the last one. Um. Kyle Rudolph, it looks like your time is done here, buddy. Um, all right, so Jason, start us off. Your terms. All right, so Irv Smith in 2020, mark my words now, is going to be the George Kittle of 2018. Um, not to the extent where he's going to break records, right? But he's going to be a top 12 tight end in 2018. He's going to be one of those guys that you're drafting late, and he's going to be your tight end from week one to the end of the season. This year. Next year, he's going to take the George Kittle path. In 2020, 2020, Irv Smith will be the George Kittle of 2018. Hmm. His rookie season, Kittle didn't play much. Rookie tight ends, they don't play a lot. He was Smith will similarly be stuck behind Kyle Rudolph. But then as he learns more and more of the offense, he's going to start to out-athlete Kyle Rudolph and start to play more, just like Kittle at the end of the season. We saw him score a touchdown a few times at the end of his rookie season. Yep. 
At the end of the year, Kyle Rudolph's contract's going to expire. The Vikings aren't going to re-sign him. And Irv Smith is going to have that job. And he's going to have a quarterback in Kirk Cousins who's tied down to the Vikings who likes throwing to his tight ends. Also, in college, Irv Smith was a yak machine. And George Kittle lives off of yak. So I think that they're going to take two very similar paths. I think George Kittle's better than Irv Smith. So the expectations are a little lower when it comes to the breakout season. But Irv Smith in 2020, presidential candidate. <laughs> uh, interesting pick there. All right, guys, it's time. True. One hours and 43 minutes. The moment boy. we've all been waiting for. Michael, <laughs> what is your juice sample analysis? Look, man, because you said juice sample, you know, Cincinnati. Maybe we could talk about him. This guy, he was graded as the best drum blocker of all tight ends PFF. That's why he was drafted. He played multiple years in college, and his best season receiving-wise was last year, his senior year, 25 receptions, 252 yards. He's not an offensive weapon. You guys want to see my notes for the rest of the tight ends? Josh Oliver, no. Jay Sternberger, no. Kahel Waring, no. Dawson Knox, no. You get the point. What about Trevon Wesco? I just have their names. No. He's, He's a block a, first yeah, tight end. Trevor Wesco. Um... Caleb Trevon. Wilson, Mr. Irrelevant, the I last said, player taken, tight end. I said Trevor. Trevon was um, good for him. Yeah, uh, or bad for him because Mr. Irrelevant has trouble making the league. Um, but good luck out there. The, the paycheck ain't irrelevant, dog. The the Cardinals need a good tight end. Listen, he can go around his entire life so he got drafted to the well, NFL. You're giving up on rookie seals, rookie heels bones. Remember that? Because he, every time he got hurt, he'd come back. He <laughs> plays later, rookie heels bones. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> these guys need to go to bed. Michael, where can, I, where can they find you? Yeah, my bedtime is 10 p.m. My name is Tim. <laughs> find me at Mike underscore Patrop. Your name's Michael. I told you. He's delirious. Jason, where can they find you? At Jason Patrop. <laughs> my name's Tim Patrop. On all social media outlets. At and Tim it's Patrop. actually past his bedtime. <laughs> but only... Real quick, we... before we end it. Yo, can you can you let me speak? Frisky. Jesus. Frisky. Oh, my God. You ruined it. Go. <laughs> Before we go, got to give the people what they want. Who's going to be the rookie with the most fantasy points this season? Mm. Discounting quarterbacks. I was going to say Kyler Murray. Montgomery. Not counting Kyler Murray. So you can take Haskins if you want. Montgomery. I want to say... Jason's going to say Daryl Henderson. I want to say Josh Jacobs. I love Nikhil Harry, but I want to say Josh Jacobs. I think those two, it's going to go by draft value. They're going to go on a limb and say Daryl Henderson. I knew it. I knew he was going to say that. He thinks he's going to be Austin Eckler. Right? He just wants this on record. That's why he asked the question. I know. If if I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm right. Well, usually we'll, we would separate these into two episodes, but you get one giant long episode today. Um, we're now in 45 minutes. Listen, I podcast. listen to the Joe Rogan podcast. They're like three hours long. It's great. Yeah, the they talk the about like space and mushrooms and shit. Like fantasy football is cool. Listen, but it's no space and mushrooms. This wasn't repetitive. Talk about different people. Talk about different things. So look, made different jokes. Now we're just wasting <laughs> your time. So without any further ado, uh, we're coming at you again next week. Enjoy yep. this um, two-hour podcast. Rookie again, review, baby. A lot of people in the fantasy community, not to shit on them, but kind of low-key shitting on them. Um, they're gonna just give you the names that you want to hear. They're not gonna go in depth, and you're gonna miss out on some fantasy viable rookies. Today we gave you the names that you wanted to hear. Also, these people had a lot of shows that talked about these. These players and what their skills are and blah, 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 blah. And then once they're drafted, you never hear about their skills again. 
We waited until today to tell you about their college skills and how they're going to relate to their team. So just a little reason, those little tiny little things that give us an edge in fantasy. We're trying to give you that edge as well in fantasy. So please stick around uh, to Brodo. Recommend it to a friend. Recommend it to an enemy. Uh, spread the word. We're going into this season big time. Big time. Big time. Uh, time. And we are ready to turn the corner and help you win fantasy championships just like we have been for the last two years except this time we're going to be doing it on a whole nother level with the help of uh, true target values and true throw values you could find those at brotofantasy.com or brotoff.com also you could find us all at brotofantasy on twitter and on instagram uh twitter is where we mainly stay but we're trying to be more involved in instagram um yeah, so follow us there so you can give us a little more incentive to be there. Um, our following is much greater on Twitter, so we like to interact with the fans. And there's not much interaction on Instagram. So, um, again, follow us, Twitter, Instagram. Um, there will be much more coming very soon, a lot in the works. Uh, so stay tuned. We promise the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast is taking the next step, and we are going to step you right into a championship Boom! if you listen. Um, step without- up, too. They just name a movie. <laughs> just that's it. That's how you want to end it with the word step up to. <laughs> Channing Tatum. We sure. are. Peace. Peace.